what happens when a black guy, a white dude, and an Hispanic man happen to be pro wrestling marks? You get debates, roasting, and fun in Jeet Nation's newest podcast, Breaking Ring Rust. And it starts right now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I am Rockin' Mr. Magic. This is Jeek Nation's Breaking Ring Rust podcast. I am coming to you tonight with my illustrious recurring guest, the <laughs> franchise MP Matt Privet. Matt, welcome back to the show. It's good to be back. I don't know at what point I transitioned from recurring guest to like JV guest host or something, but <laughs> I'm glad to be back and uh, glad to glad to talk some of this nonsense with you today. Yes, indeed. Well, we're glad to have you. So glad to have you. And for those of you wondering, JT is still on the shelf. He is recuperating um, better than expected, uh, according to him, uh, as far as a faster timetable. Um, but with his surgery, we want to be as careful as possible. He gets tired, uh, especially with the amount of evasive surgery he had. So he is still on the shelf. But he is obviously still involved in contributing to some of the topics that we're going to do tonight. So please uh, continue to uh, to keep him in your thoughts. Pray for his speedy and complete recovery. So tonight we've got a couple topics that we're going to chat about. Uh, four in particular. We're going to start, however, with something that was stewing for a while in the WWE. Uh, we finally had the quote-unquote final Shield reunion, final Shield match. Of course, who knows if that's really actually going to be the case. I doubt it. But for now, final Shield match. And goodbye send off a few weeks ago on Raw. And then recently, something odd happened on Twitter. The dormant Twitter account for Dean Ambrose suddenly became active. And the name changed from Dean Ambrose to John Moxley. And a video was released. Now, if you don't know, John Moxley is what Dean Ambrose of the WWE was known as for most of his career in the Indies through quite some colorful battles in combat zone wrestling. Where do you, MP, view the future for John Moxley, where is he going to go? I think he's going to world wrestling entertainment. Um, I am until I see him wrestling for another organization. Uh, and I don't mean like an indie. I know that uh, I've heard that he might be doing some indies in June until I see him wrestling for AEW or in a major Japanese promotion or something like that. I think that he is still with the WWE, maybe not a contract signed right now, but I think there are plans in place for that. I, 
Look, here's the thing. Never before in the history of the WWE that I can recall have they made such a big deal for someone's departure Mm -hmm. when – when they have you know not been clearly retiring someone like Kurt Angle or Ric Flair or, or, or somebody else, this is totally completely out of character for WWE to do what they did with the Dean Ambrose character. And if you look at that video, there were some high production values in that video. That was a very high production value video. And I want to know, did he are we are we supposed to believe he paid for that out of his own pocket because I don't for one second and so until uh until I am proven wrong and I may be wrong and maybe it's AEW that was funding that video because I know that the owner of AEW has very deep pockets as well Extremely but uh, deep pockets he's got deep very pockets deep. And yeah I, I will I, that is what I've heard and um uh, but until that happens, I am not buying it for a second. I think that he takes a few months off from WWE. His wife works in WWE. He's got good friends in WWE. And I think he's back in WWE eventually as John Moxley. Uh, whether it be one month, three months, six months, that's where I'm at right now. I just, I, I'm not buying this at all. I know that, and you know, well, I, I have, to, I, I'm leaning your way. It's I have to hand it to, to Moxley to whoever's behind this production. They are doing a great job with keeping everybody guessing. Yes. Because if you think of, and if you don't know uh, John Moxley, go to YouTube and Google some of those matches. Be prepared to see a lot of blood. If you're not into hardcore matches, then don't do it because some of his matches are even make me cringe. And I was live at ECW shows back in the nineties. Um, there's some wild stuff that he did. So you, the John Moxley name immediately makes you think hardcore wrestling makes you think of CZW makes you think of Indies. That is something that unless there's a change going on behind scenes that we don't know about, uh, especially in this PG era, that's not something that Vince wants to put on his television. So having essentially a modern hardcore icon appearing on WWE doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But then there's the flip side. There's the production value of that video, which only could be bankrolled by either the WWE, AEW, or Impact Wrestling. So one of those three has got to be behind the production of that video because I don't think he shelled out for that. Um, And then there's the point like you made. His wife is there. She's not going anywhere. His good friends are there. They're not going anywhere. The only good friend he really has that's not there is Sammy Callahan. And I think it was great for his career to get away from Sammy Callahan. Well, I'm, I I will plead ignorance on his relationship with Sammy Callahan. Um, I, I, that said, there are just... Two, I mean, it, it reminds me a little bit of the Brian Pillman situation in 1996, where mm. he he was actually he 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 worked that whole situation into a shoot where his contract was uh, he was released from his contract and and 
I think, you know, I've heard different stories. I've actually heard Bischoff say he, he was expecting Pillman to, to re-sign and Pillman ends up, you know, going to, to, to New York, going to the WWF at that time uh, after actually after uh, a very serious accident that ultimately cost him his career. And you could argue his life yeah. uh, in the long run. But that said, I'm, you know, we're not here to talk about Pillman, but it does, it does remind me of that situation it has Moxley or Dean Ambrose or whatever you want to call him worked himself into a shoot here where he ended up going somewhere else now that he's, you know, got this video done. I don't know, but again, the the major relationships we know about in his life, including his most important human relationship, I, I would hope would be with his wife. That's all centered in New York. And you're right, Renee Young's not going anywhere anytime soon, as far as, as I know. Um, and whether you like her or not as a as as a you know commentator, um she certainly seems to have a bright future there. So I, I indeed all, all of the signs to me point to him coming back to the WWE in a few months with the John Moxley character. And if that's the case, more power to him because I do think it was time for this on and off shield stuff to go away. I, I redundancy. If he comes <laughs> back, you know, how many final shield matches did they have on this this farewell tour? But fifteen. Um, yeah, at least. It seems like at least. But um you know if he wants to change the trajectory of his career in WWE, this may be the best way to do it, to, to, to leave for a while and come back with a whole new name, character, outlook on life, get him away from Rollins, get him away from Reigns for a while, put out a couple more of these videos over the course of a few months and who knows what happens, but uh, you know, maybe, maybe this is all something that points him in the direction of AEW. I don't know, but until I see otherwise, I think he's still an unofficial employee of the world wrestling entertainment. Yes. Okay. Now, do you think he can reinvent the John Moxley character? Because that character has a lot of tread on his tires. You know, when he got signed, everyone knew him as John Moxley. I got it would be one thing if you, like you said, you know, a brand new name, but it's not a new name. It's a very well worn out name. So and it's hard to separate that past because anybody that goes and searches John Moxley is going to get all the old stuff. So it's not like he can completely reinvent that character. True, but how, how, let's, let's, you and I here, you know, we pay attention to wrestling history. We're on a wrestling podcast, which means we like it more than most people. We're not casual fans. Right. Well, you could argue, I mean, I'm not watching week to week. I admit that. Um, but the average fan does not know who John Moxley is. The average fan. Yeah. Does I mean he has not gone by that name in at least seven years? They broke um, the scene and main roster five years ago, and they were in 
uh, NXT slash uh, Florida Championship Wrestling for yeah at least two. So yeah, seven eight they years. Were, they were at WrestleMania twenty nine, and that was in two thousand thirteen. That was their first WrestleMania. They were at Royal Rumble two thousand thirteen when the Rock and CM Punk wrestled. So you know we're talking over six years, seven years since that name has been has any meaning in the mm-hmm. world. And that amount of time is an eternity to the casual wrestling fan. That's a that's a more than fair point. And 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 they, you know, it's not as if the WWE pays much attention to. They they will trot out history when it's convenient, but as far as storylines go, they very rarely these days pay attention to history. And. And so I don't think that has it has little to no bearing on how his character would succeed or fail if he were to return to WWE. That's my opinion. Well, that, that's that's a fair point. That's definitely a fair point. Um, I, of course, you're right. I'm thinking it of it from a different uh, vantage point because uh, I think someone's going to say, "Hey, John Moxley." Okay, John Moxley's coming. They, you know, they go onto YouTube to search for, you know, John Moxley, even just to look for that video, and they come across the CZW match, and then they're like, "Oh, okay," and then they yeah. get, they get and then they think, "Is this coming to, to WWE?" That doesn't make sense, but yeah, yeah but, I mean, but you're right. I mean, it's been a long time, and I think even maybe the casual fan would see how young he is in those in those matches if they watch them and be like okay well this is probably not the boxing that we're going to see right and again unless WWE actually points fans in that direction they're probably never even going to think to to look for him having any identity prior to being you know the Dean Ambrose and the, the, the whatever they called him the I don't know. Uh, they gave him some nickname in WWE. Oh, <laughs> it's the, the, the lunatic French. Lunatic French. Lunatic yes. French. Yes. That, that's all they know him as. They know him as a guy who was in the shield. They know him as a guy who was lunatic French. They know him as a guy who uh, is a little wacky uh, and a guy who um, you know held the gold for a little while. And um, but yeah, you know, they don't know anything about John Moxley and. 99% of them aren't going to go and, and look that stuff up. I don't think WWE is if this is if this is their direction together with him, I don't think that they're even thinking about that. It's not on their radar. Yeah. So if it's if it's AEW or Impact behind it, would you think they would try to piggyback off his past to to boost it or they would rather have him reinvent himself as well? I think that they could pick piggyback off of it. I, you know, I think you know in AEW you've got uh, some guys who've been a part of WWE and had their identities changed, and you know Cody's not able to try out the Rhodes name, which is another story for another day. I just that's just so stupid to me, but um, uh, guys who you know go by things that they used to be known as or whatever. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of rambling here, but, um, you know, I think that reconnecting him with his, his former life before W could be something that a group like AEW or 
I don't really think impact is in on this. That's just a gut feeling. I could be wrong. But um, I, I don't think they are either, but they're the only ones that could also have made that production, but they're definitely very low on the possibility poll to me. It's definitely a toss up between AEW and the WWE as far as where he will be performing. Yeah, and if I'm if I am John Moxley, AEW is probably the only other realistic option I'm thinking of right now with the money that's behind that and the the momentum they're generating to to try to be a legitimate number two. Uh, if nothing else, uh, so now they could be trying to to build on that, and that's fine. You've got your older audience that's going to pay attention to AEW. You've got that audience who is more independent minded, and who does know some of the history of the Moxley name and character. They're more likely to care about that kind of thing than the WWE fan will. So, yeah, they could be trying to tap into that if it's them. But again. My gut tells me it's WWE, and I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. <laughs> but I'm, that's that's um, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, I appreciate uh, you sticking to your guns there. Uh, I, I, it's a tough call. I, I'm definitely leaning towards WWE. To me, it just makes the most sense. Uh, and if he can reinvent, reinvent John Moxley as a character, that may be the greatest indie to major promotion achievement in history. Like that, that's, that's a telling feat to be able to take that character and truly reinvent it on, on a major stage. Uh, but I think it would be great for his career if he does stay in the WWE, uh, because I don't think anyone ever really took him seriously as champion as Dean Ambrose, uh, having a different attitude, as Moxley could really solidify him as a single star. And the only thing that could really ruin it is if he does stay with WWE is if Michael Cole or whoever happens to be doing play by play happens to like, Oh, here's John Moxley. We haven't seen him since April when he said goodbye to his shield brothers. And it's like, Oh, the whole point of going away was to get away from that. Yeah, the the worst thing they could do if they brought him back was it would be to put him right back into some program that has to do with with Rollins or Reigns. And I agree, you know, when he was the the champion a couple years ago, in my eyes, he was not a, a, a guy I viewed as a world champion type of guy. And I still don't to this point think he's that that type of guy. Um, I was always waiting for AJ Styles to beat him for the belt, which eventually he did. So this could be the thing that, that takes him to the next level in the eyes of people like me, but that remains to be seen. Indeed. Maybe it's just me. I kind of got the feeling that the, the solo lunatic fringe was more of a, a modern, modern take on Foley kind of. I agree. And, a lot of people have never felt fully never should have had the, the world title, which is debatable. Um, but I had just had that feeling. It's like, I've seen this before, you know, a guy who's just going out there getting beat up, you know, very stiff, brawling, just doing whatever craziness that comes in his mind. Uh, and it's like, yeah, we, we've, we've had this thing, but we've had this 
show done for us before, and he wasn't doing it um, really any differently than Foley, uh, except for Foley had the more of the goofiness as far as you know the with with Sako, uh, but they didn't help him. They didn't help him either with with having changing Dirty Deeds to Foley's Double Arm DDT. It was like, come on, you're you're drawing direct parallels now. Well, I I think an attempt to create a modern day Mick Foley is that is well taken. I I agree that that's the direction they seem to have been trying to go. But Foley to this, I mean, to this point, Ambrose Moxley hasn't come close to Foley in terms of charisma. Oh yeah, and and that grassroots love investment from fans yes. when, when i mean you you want i mean the the greatest moment in raw history to me is stone cold steve austin's music playing during that match with mankind and the rock december mm-hmm. of 98 it, it aired on january 4th 99 that place exploded yeah. i i had i had seen it i had seen that it was going to happen on the internet the week before, but I exploded. That was, I mean, the fans were invested and, and I was, Mick Foley was never my favorite guy, but I was invested because I was invested in him because he entertained me and I knew he cared and I knew he had, and, 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 and I mean, I, I, he wasn't my favorite, but I was a fan and I was, I was so happy for him and, Ambrose Moxley has never come close to that kind of investment from fans. Maybe this is the thing that gets him in that direction. If that's uh, the the kind of hardcore directions, the way they keep wanting to go. Um, but and that's, a possi- thing. that's a possibility. Being that you said that and you mentioned the investment, part of the appeal for Foley. And I like you. Um, I was a fan of Foley, but he was never like one of my favorites. But I enjoyed him. Uh, but Foley was one of, I liked him in WCW. I liked him in ECW. You know, it was Cactus Jack. I, I loved Cactus Jack. Um, so finally, after him toiling as, you know, the demented mankind, toiling as dude love, toiling and getting the crap beat out of him as Cactus Jack, this guy finally on the world title picture. And I remember when he won, I was shocked that I was happy because, I was a huge rock fan and seeing one of my favorites lose a belt is never something that I wanted to mm-hmm. see, but I was like, you know, I, I was just as excited as everybody else. When Foley we won. never, yeah, we never thought a guy like Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, mankind would ever actually hold that belt. Yes. We never, we, we never thought that they would actually put the belt and yes, it was short term. Yes. He had three short reigns, but even, that, there's one example of just putting a belt on a guy on for a week or a, a week and a half or whatever did so much for him long-term to legitimize him in the eyes of fans. We're 20 years separated from that now. Mm-hmm. And people know that Mick Foley was a legend in the ring. And uh, I, 20 years from now, people will look back on, a lot of WWE wrestlers who've held that belt. And I wonder how many of them will be looked at in the same way. Um, it's, it's unlikely that they would have the same adoration because 
you know, yeah. we think about those past champions, Rock, Austin, um, Michaels, Hart. These are guys that are tip-top condition. They look like a million dollars. Foley's a fat guy in tights. It looks pear-shaped. And, like, and, it, and even aside from body type, it is just so difficult to get as invested in characters today, I think. And, and I may be skewed in, in saying that because I'm 42 years old now. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I remember the good old days. And so yes. I'm, I'm that, I'm that guy, <laughs> but, but in saying that I also, I, I just feel it's harder for fans today to get invested in the characters when there are not clear distinctions between black and white, good and evil. And when, Quite frankly, the writing and the booking is so haphazard. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know what kind of long-term or short-term planning, and, and we're going to get to that uh, in, a, in a few minutes on another topic. But I, I think it's hurt guys like Ambrose. I think it's hurting everyone on the roster, um, and I and I hope that. You know, if this is WWE doing this, it's different and good on them for doing something different. Yes. Now, see it through to the end and let's see how it goes. Um, and I got that's probably as much as I have to say about all that. Well, that and that's that's the great way to wrap it up because if they are doing a similar arc, uh, for Moxie like they did for Foley, it could put him into that cementing of a great legacy uh, for a guy I think who also loves loves wrestling has put in a lot of work and a lot of effort uh, just hasn't gotten to that place uh, where Foley was able to ascend to uh, but hopefully it works because uh, like you mentioned with characters, characters are tough to sell right now, everyone is so past the character era um, you have to have a really unique character to really get it over and uh, they've got their cut, their work cut out for them. But if they do it and they take it their time and let it marinate, it could be awesome. Uh, I agree. I agree. Well, so, well, while we're talking about people that are you know, stepping away, uh, on the impact side of things, Eli Drake was recently dismissed from impact uh, for allegedly a combination of various things. Um, but in particular, the straw that, allegedly broke the camel's back was that Eli refused to have an intergender match, a competitive intergender match with one Tessa Blanchard and that led to Drake being fired by Impact and now the company's trying to lock Eli down with a one-year non-compete. First with this, what are your thoughts on Eli turning down the intergender match with Tessa Blanchard. Good for him. Uh, I applaud him and I applaud any male wrestler who has ever taken that stand. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm going to go back to the fact that I'm old fashioned and I hated the attitude era when men, and I don't care if it was China. Okay. And then they painted her to be different than, than most women. I, I don't care. I hated it when men started beating up women in the ring. That was one of the main things 
I liked a lot of what I saw on ECW. Seeing Tommy Dreamer pile drive Beulah McGillicuddy or whoever else was not something that appealed to me. Yeah. Might have gotten a pop, but, uh, you know, I guess I'm just old-fashioned that way. I I don't think it's funny when uh, even in sports entertainment we've got men putting their hands on women that way. And I think that if – and again, this goes back to my background as an NWA Crockett guy. I prefer my wrestling to be viewed more as a sport when we all know it's not. Um, but I, if we're going to do, I mean, if we're going to call this athletics, thing like that, what, what are we doing? I mean, and just it, basic human decency says men shouldn't be putting their hands on women. So, I applaud him for not doing that. If that's the case, if that's has anything to do with his release, um, I I am with him a hundred percent. It's 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 a tough call to make, especially when you are working for a semi-major promotion that still has an indie feel to it, and the indies right now, of course, are rife with a lot of intergender matches. I you know. I've I've gone back and forth with intergender matches. There were there were some I've seen that I like. You mentioned ECW. Um, I remember watching Tommy Pyle Drybula. Um, wasn't a big fan of that, and not mainly because Bula. Well, what could Bula do, you know, to to Tommy Dreamer? Um, but then I watched Jazz uh, and Jason have a fantastic match and because of Jason being so small Jazz being a bulkier woman it looked like a believable match and it was an excellent match Uh, most intergender matches that I've seen just they're not believable you've got a you know a woman who who's like a a potential you know like model level woman she's dolled up you know she's got you know whatever scantily clad thing on and she's got stilettos on, and she's supposed to be competing against a 225-pound man who probably benches 400 pounds. Um, and I'm trying; I'm supposed to buy this as a competitive match. You know, some women who have been able to, you mentioned China, working against smaller guys like like a Jericho, like a Eddie Guerrero being able to make some matches look believable. Uh, and you've got larger women in the Indies right now, like Jordan Grace, who probably stronger than I am. But there's very few far between of women that you could put into that situation to actually make it look semi-believable. And then, like you mentioned, you've got fans who just, hey, why are we even superimposing violence, you know, against women for, for entertainment's sake? Uh, it, it's, a, it's a tough call. But if that was his, even if his reasoning was, hey, I don't want to look weak against a woman, I applaud him also for taking a stand. Um, Mel, I think it's Dave Melton reported that Moose um, also turned down the match prior to Eli, and he still has his job. As, so it definitely couldn't purely be that. But It makes you think that there, there might be other factors involved. Exactly. But- but if that is the the main thing, then then at least on that main thing, you know, I'm, 
I'm, he stood on a principle and it's one that I would applaud. I, I, you know, and what really gets me is that they want to they want to pretty much be jerks and then try to lock him down from working for for a year, uh, and, and that just really, that's that screams pettiness to me uh, on on their part. Yeah, I, this is I, I I am not a fan of non compete clauses, whether they're one day or or one year. Um, I believe we live in a, a free market, and you if you're gonna release a guy from a contract you're releasing him from a contract. Um, a man has a right to, to earn some money. Now, if he's getting paid during that time, but one year is absolutely excessive. You are taking away the earning rights of a young man who is in the physical prime of his life. You are um, basically by contract, uh, nullifying his ability to make the most of his potential during his potentially highest yielding time of his life in, in the chosen profession he has. So it's absolutely petty. I mean, it, it, who who is impact? <laughs> they are at best at this point. They are at best at this point, the third tier promotion. I would argue probably the fourth uh, uh, ranked promotion in the U.S. behind Ring of Honor and uh, and uh, AEW now, even though they haven't actually put on Which a show yet. Because AEW hasn't put a show yet. <laughs> but uh, and the way the that uh, this stuff with the NWA is going, who knows? Uh, that's kind of a, a fun thing to consider, but. Um, yeah, I just when I saw that, and and I don't watch Impact. I, I just my time is limited in how much I can watch. But uh, when I saw that, when 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 you brought that up today uh, as a as a topic of conversation, I just had to shake my head because trying to keep a guy from working elsewhere for a year would not be allowed in basically any other line of work i can think of what other industry would let you do that i mean if he was if he were to take this to the courts or to some labor relations board this thing would probably go away in a heartbeat because oh yeah it's not like he quit if he quit that'd be one thing you know if he was working for for microsoft and he all up and quit and then announced the next day he's going to go work for apple they'd be like uh no you know you you know non compete you can't take our secrets there you left you know fine but if if microsoft fires you there's nothing stopping you from going to apple or going to google or anybody else like they they have they they sent you away not the other way around right now yeah i mean those negotiated non-competes when it comes to a, someone asking out of a contract early or something, that's one thing. Um, I, I mean, I would say a year is excessive even then, but 90 when, days is the, uh, the general non-compete. 90 days is usually what we hear. Yeah. 90 days is usually what we hear. And if someone's wanting out of an agreed upon contract early, that's that, that I can see as being reasonable. I wouldn't really go beyond that, but um, the the idea that, that they are trying to get rid of him 
if that's the case and keep him from working anywhere else from a year is laughable. And if he were to get a good lawyer, um, it would probably do away with wrestling non-compete clauses for good. Probably. And to me, not only is it silly and petty, but the message that impact is sending to anybody considering working for them now, you know, if you happen to say no to them, and they don't like it and they get rid of you, they're going to try to keep you from working elsewhere. Why would anybody want to sign a contract with you after that? I mean, there has to have been something else behind this. Because if you have any brains whatsoever and and you think enough of this guy to put a one-year and compete on him, would you really want to get rid of somebody you thought that much of over an intergender match? I mean, what are, what are you saying to any free agent out there? Come work for us, but if you don't do something, we don't – I mean, if you are going to try to live by your principles <laughs> in our company, uh, this is what we're going to do to you. I, you know, if I'm a wrestling free agent, I'm not even thinking about going to them. Yeah, that's not a huge red flag. There are, there are other options out there. I mean – there's AEW, there's Ring of Honor, there's Japan, there's Lucha Underground, if they ever have another season, um, and, and and whatever else. So, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. I just... Mm. That's just, that, just the level of, the level of petty is this nonsense it makes to... To paint your, you, you paint yourself out to be the bad guy. Even if they went to court and you won, and, and an impact won, you're still making yourself the bad guy because now you're just you're just telling future talent that you don't that you don't regard them in any decent manner. It just seems that no matter what that company is called, and or rather it be TNA, Global Force Wrestling, or whatever, and whoever owns it, it just seems that whatever that company is called and whoever owns it there is always some sort of employee relations story. Yes. Uh, involving that company. Keep it called and story, like more like employee relations disaster. It's, yeah. I mean, and, and, and of course you're going to get that in any workplace, but I mean, that just seems to be what marks these guys uh, aside from just no one cares anyway. Well, no one, I, I mean, That in the ring, you gotta, gotta love the, the six sided ring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Japan as, as an, a potential option for someone like Eli Drake. Chris Jericho, the Aegis Wonder, uh, on June 6th, uh, Dominion will be competing for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Should he win, he will be joining a very rare club of IWGP and WWE champions. How high do you think it's possible that just Chris Jericho captures this rare feat in professional wrestling? I don't think it's something that's really on his radar. I don't think it's something that he's aspiring to, and I don't think it's going to happen either. Um, but I, I'll say this. Um, the fact that he's a little older than me, I think, <laughs> Yeah, and Chris is I want still to say reinventing. And, and the fact that he at 46, 47 years old finds himself in this position in the main event for the world title 
for the new for the IWGP title. Just I have nothing but respect for that guy as far as his his wrestling career is concerned. Um, just it's just an amazing thing to consider his journey and uh, you know he first uh, was it the U.S. title he won or the Intercontinental title over there uh, uh, at WWE. Nah, the one in, in Japan. It was the intercontinental. Uh, he was, was intercontinental inter- champion. Yeah, so um, went over there, won that belt, and he's just he's he's in these past three or four years begun to carve out his own path apart from WWE. Um, and now he it looks like he's going to be a major player in AEW. Um, I tell you what, I you know I don't know how much something like that would be on his radar. It, and and I don't necessarily think it's the right move for New Japan to put the belt on him, unless they've got some major thing going on in the works with AEW that's uh, the, down that's the line. The, that's the thing right there. At first, when I read this, I was like, well, you know, this is kind of like when he had his match with Kenny Omega in New Japan. You know, okay, they're going to have a match. Chris is going to put Kenny over. He's going to make Kenny look great. Chris is going to look great, and that's it. And I'm thinking about it. Outside of Kenny, Jericho. Oh, actually, you actually, I think Jericho still has a bigger name than Kenny. So Jericho, to me, is the biggest name on their roster. I agree. You, whatever you call your champion, is your champion. But if you make your champion crown your champion, and he already has the IWGP belt, or if he's in a tournament similar to what they did when he first became undisputed champion, where uh, he faces somebody and they beat him to become the inaugural AEW champion, you're putting an extreme amount of value to your championship. If you reach a deal with New Japan uh, to have that belt be, you know, represented, obviously not defended, but be represented on AEW television or on pay-per-view. That definitely puts a lot of credibility to your champion then if he's either a dual champion or beats the IWGP champion to become champion. Um, and for him to be the biggest name on that roster, and I was incorrect, he's 48. He'll be 49 this year. Yeah. Um, you know, the shape he's in and the fact this is the way he's been able to reinvent himself so many times over the years. Uh, we were talking about that pyramid a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, Jericho keeps climbing up though, that, that pyramid ladder there <laughs> for what he's been able yeah. to do. Yeah. You know, I went back and listened to that episode. I, I can't even remember if his name came up. But. It did it, which is a shame. I listened to it too. I'm like, man, how did we not mention Chris Jericho? He, he, you know, he's definitely worth considering. But yeah, yeah. I mean, every anywhere he's gone, he's made the most of it. Yes. He, given what he was, get what he was given to work with in WCW, he made the most of that. Even when the office and the the powers that be, you know, weren't going to let him reach his potential there. He goes to WWE, has a kind of rocky first year, but then. He's he's a made man when they make him the first undisputed champion. Uh, beats this beats the Rock and Stone Cold on the same night, and uh, which I still can't believe happened. 
I still all can't these, believe it either. All these years later, I still can't believe it happened. Uh, it's it, yeah, uh, I, yeah. I mean, but, he's a. You, I mean, you look. I looked at him. He's a cruiserweight. I still look at him as a cruiserweight. All yeah. these years later. But you know, you look at him as a guy who um, he he knows how to tell stories, and he can do it in the ring. He can do. Mm. He, he he he's the complete package. And, you know, my favorite work of his was when he came back in 2008 and was wearing the suits and feuding with Shawn Michaels. I thought that that was his best run for me personally. Uh, It's phenomenal. But, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Chris Jericho. He he is is definitely – I think I had to put him on that second level of that pyramid probably – Definitely no lower than the third level, but um, he doesn't get enough credit, I think. And maybe it's because he's left and come back and left and come back. And but uh, he 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 deserves our respect, and he's got mine. Uh, don't think he'll he'll go over Okada, but if he does, I think that that may mean there's some sort of agreement with AEW and that they may be doing something. I hadn't really considered that until we were just talking through it. But, uh, yeah, and I do understand that most of those AEW guys are still able to work in Japan, you know, whenever they, they want to. Right. Uh, so Which is smart because, that, you know, that gives them a place where they can, you know, can go work and be off TV to try to help reinvent themselves, work offering rust. Um even just boost their names a bit by going up against whatever young lines they have there or any established new Japan stars. Um, e- even without the, the, you know, the bullet club thing being a bullet club being a thing for AEW anymore. Um, you know, they still have that great relationship with new Japan where they can yeah. take their new guys and, and develop them more. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, I think it's time. You know, like we say, it's time for the whole shield thing to kind of go away. I feel the same way, kind of about the Bullet Club. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm interested to see. You know, what happens there. Um, if nothing else, Okada versus Jericho sounds like a great match. Yeah, so, it does. Um, but if he does, I, I mean, I, I can't think of many people who have captured both belts. Brock Lesnar. We know has captured both belts. Um, Hogan, Hogan. It was kind of before the IWGP IWGP title is what it is today, but uh, you know I think he's still considered an IWGP champion. I have to go back and look, but I believe um, I believe he was the first. Yeah, to my knowledge, he is the first uh, non non Japanese to to hold it. Um, I, I can't, I can't think of anyone else that would have had both. I mean, it's it's a very small. Did Angle size. win it? Did we say I, Angle? Did, did I he? don't think Angle ever won it. I'm gonna have to look that up. Going and looking at my history now. Um, uh, Vader can... never won the WAF title. Um, he, no. Vader. Held it. Hogan's not listed on uh, the list I'm looking at as an official champion, but um, oh, it looks like uh, it looks like Angle did. It looks like Lesnar dropped it to Angle at IG, IGF 
the initial event in 2007. Yeah, that was at in Inoki Splinter Federation. Uh, yeah, the list I'm looking at doesn't have angles, so I guess there's probably some debate there. But mm. either way, it's a very short list, and so, so it looks like it's this. If he wins, it, it will be him and Brock. <laughs> Because I think you know these; those would be the two that you could say were undisputed yeah. as both. So yeah, it'd be a very short list. And uh, oh, oh, uh, here's another one: AJ Styles. Um, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> How, wow! Can we can we went over AJ Styles? So Brock, AJ Styles, and unless uh, WWE you know, gets smart and decides to put a, a title on Nakamura, it's uh, <laughs> it looks like it's gonna. And not be anybody else really. Yeah, I'm not on the Nakamura bandwagon, but uh, I, I I do think yeah, it'd be cool if he did. But I'm not. I'm, yeah, probably not. I mean, Okada just won it back here recently, so yeah, he won it uh, at, uh, at the Super Edge. He won Super Card. Um, yeah, and, and Okada has been known to hold on to that thing. I mean, I think he has the longest ever reign uh, for the title of like 700 and something days. Like. 720 days, yeah. Yeah, once he gets his hands on it, it's not going anywhere. And and also, think about this: they they've they've already had three title changes this this calendar year of that title. So I don't know that New oh, Japan. That's, right. that's weird. They're usually not in the business of hot shotting the belt that much. So I would be very surprised if uh, if that belt changes hands again this calendar year. That's a great point. It has changed that much. Tanahashi won it, uh, and then Jay White beat him. So, um, yeah, I'd be surprised, but again, I think it'll be a great match. I look forward to seeing it when it comes on TV. Yes, indeed. Well, that speaking of matches, we've had some interesting matches on WWE television due to the WWE Wild Card Rule. <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> um, um, well, if if you don't know what the wild card rule is, I'm going to give you some explanation from the source, from WWE.com. So, Mr. McMahon announced this wild card rule, which states essentially that a limited number of superstars from Raw or SmackDown would be invited to cross brand lines for one-night-only appearances with unauthorized jumps to be penalized by fines, obviously kayfabe fines or potential kayfabe firings. The crossover so far that we've seen has been Kofi Kingston, obviously his champion, the new Daniel Bryan, and Roman Reigns appearing on Raw Monday. Um, Lars Sullivan also apparently uh, made an appearance. I I missed that part of Raw. Apparently, I was too busy looking at my iPad or something. Um, and Tuesday, we had AJ Styles reappear on SmackDown, competing against uh, Sami Zayn and Kofi for Kofi's WWE Championship. Uh, obviously, Becky Lynch is going back and forth because she has two belts. And we also had an appearance by the Usos, who also, of course, just went to Raw in the shakeup, uh, who challenged for the tag titles for SmackDown. Again, why? Because they just got moved over, uh, which were eventually won by 
the new Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. So, in short, the wild card rule is just Vince McMahon throwing, uh, trying to throw an ace to the wall and hope it sticks. Um, it, it, it makes no sense. Uh, and, and the fact that this thing is probably going to continue next week uh, and, until they make some, I actually don't think they can make sense of it. It's probably just going to continue until as long well, as Vince thinks it's going to make things interesting. You know, I, I've been, I, I, I saw this Monday night and it, I just shook my head because it, 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 it has the stench of something that was thrown together an hour or two before the show on one of those Mondays where they rewrite the show five times before going out there because ratings are slipping and you've, you're throwing stuff against the wall. And it also may be the first real sign that the brand extension era will be coming to an end. The, the The first time they did the brand split back in 2002, it lasted for a few years. And then eventually you had people on both uh, shows every which way. Um, and I think with the Fox deal and the ratings slipping and looking to, uh, you know, make the most of that relationship, you could be seeing the end of the brand split or the brand extension or whatever you want to call it now. But this whole wildcard thing, it, if you're going to have someone explain it, actually explain it because it was just, I it's a hodgepodge. It, it, it was just, it was a terrible segment. It, 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 it came off terribly it was not explained to the crowd. It was not explained on television. It's just, it's kind of, you know, I, I like the WWE language here on the website. It is the first officially sanctioned blurring of the lines. Yeah. That's all y'all been doing for years now. <laughs> is the lines. And, 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 and poor Anthony Benigo, who had to, to write this article. Yeah. I, you know, kudos to you, Anthony. Uh, whoever you are for uh, writing this because uh, I don't think I could have without sharing my true feelings on it, which is, it's just so stupid. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like if, like you said, if it's a blurring of the lines where eventually it's going to um, lead to the ending. Like if we, if we get, um, you know, whoever decided to make champions, if they decide to have put these belts on people, because obviously you had to get, you had to put the tag belts on somebody since the Hardys relinquished them. And eventually that leads to um, blended titles, one champion, one women's champion, one tag team champions. Um, And obviously I guess you can keep the IC and US belts. uh, But if you, if we, and then one women's tag team championship, then that's fine. It's, it's it's clunky. It makes zero, zero sense. And honestly, I thought about it earlier before we start talking about it. Maybe this is just Bruce Pritchard getting more content for his podcast when he eventually leaves the WWE again, so he can keep making money and be like, and Conrad can ask him, "Hey, you remember that time you guys came up with the wild card? Yeah, what was that all about, Bruce?" And then Bruce can tell stories. And he can keep making money because this sounds like 
pure silliness. Like, I, no rhyme, no reason. Hey, let's do something weird, and we can make an excuse by calling it a wild card. So we you can know, just do whatever. Ultimately, unfortunately, what I think this boils down to is, and I would love to be proven wrong here, but I don't think I am. This is Vince McMahon still putting all of his chips in on Roman Reigns, and it's a way to say he can still be on Raw while being on SmackDown at the same time. Oh, I hate to say you're right, but there's evidence towards the contrary. It definitely looks like you are. I mean, it, it it was Roman Reigns' bold tweet on social media that inspired Kofi Kingston to show up. Right. And, and, and that bold tweet, what was it, days after they allegedly demanded all the passwords for their for their Twitter accounts? I just, uh, I really think that, that that's what this ultimately boils down to. And if that's the case, it will backfire. And we will sit here six months from now or however, six weeks from now, saying, <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. We have Becky two belts. Now we've got Roman two belts. You know, and if they want to unify all the titles, that's fine. I'm fine with unifying titles. I'm fine with there being one champion. I'm fine with that. But uh, I think this is just, I mean, if this is just giving them cover to letting Roman Reigns be on both shows. And without you know, explicitly saying he's going to be on both shows. I think that's what it boils down to. They still think, and or at least, at least McMahon's opinion is ultimately the ones that matters. And as long as he is convinced of that, and he must be because he's still out there, he's still the man. Uh, as long as McMahon is convinced of that, that's what we're going to see. I'm leaning towards your line of thinking. I'm with XFL announcements as far as uh, they're going to be on major networks for their games, and they're supposed to start 2020. We're almost halfway through 2019. This may be Vince McMahon's last desperate push to prove himself right and attempt to get Roman Reigns over, and so he can do his "I told you so" because he's Vince and he's always right in his eyes. Um, right. But this it's 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 a disaster already. Like I too am good for unifying titles. I think it would be cool to unify them, uh, bring back Night of uh, Champions pay per view for for one time. Let these um, these double champions face off in kind of co main events. Um, unify these belts. Establish who you know who is the champion of the champions and establish these tag champions and, and call it a wrap, you know, and then, and then just, then just keep going and maybe create some good stories then. Um, but if Roman Reigns ends up on top, whether it's two brands or one brand, people are going to lose their minds. Yeah. I think that McMahon is under the mistaken impression that he can, make hay out of Roman Reigns even when it, it often more than half the crowd is is against him. 
Um, he was able to do that with Cena for several years, and but but Cena was different. C- Cena was different. Um, but he's taking the similar path now. What he even what he did with Cena um, by having Cena, uh, you know, come at him and and um, you know feud with Vince, you know, hitting Vince. He's got Roman Superman punching him. You know, like you can't you can't make everybody Austin. You can't build everybody that same way. Yeah, it's they. It, They've they're they've run out of ideas. <laughs> they've run out of ideas. Yeah, they they have no ideas left over. I mean, I think that's what he brought Pritchard in for. But but you know, I, I think Pritchard is sitting there like I don't even know what to do with this. Like this is worse than, than I thought it was going to be. Uh, you've done everything you can with the guy, except the one thing that we've been saying he they should do is turn the man heel. Well, you know, I think uh, two weeks, three weeks ago, we talked about that. And, uh, you know, I still think that's the way to go, even though it may be too late. But uh, I just see no signs that they're legitimately thinking about doing that. Um, I think it'd be harder to do that now than it was before the cancer diagnosis. I think if he had turned heel two or three years ago and had a good run as a heel and then had to go away because of cancer and then come back as a face, I think you'd have 98% of the fans behind him. Probably. But but like I said a couple weeks ago or whenever it was, you are already seeing the diminishing returns. And <laughs> give him a good story maybe something changes, but so far, I mean, just the storytelling and, and, and again, it's not even all on him. I mean, it, it's, it's the booking. It's the storytelling. It's, it's like Roman himself. I mean, he, he, he's decent in the ring. I mean, he's not great, but he's decent. He's not great on the mic, but he's decent. I mean, he's, he's had, he's had okay promos and, if you if you write this if you tell the story right he can carry it, um, you know I mean, they, they, they you know they sooner or later they're gonna I, I don't know who they you know NXT mm-hmm. I, I, maybe you know I, I I don't do they have writers for NXT the same way they do for Raw and SmackDown not as large but yes okay past 20 years they've moved toward this writing staff instead mm-hmm. of a more traditional booking a traditional model. booking model right because and from my understanding though and because i have a friend that's working at nxt now um it is a writing staff but it is still similar to the traditional booking model because you know hunter's at the head and he's got um Regal, they're advising and, and helping developing the talent. So it is still more of a classic feel than the main roster model. Well, I mean, it gives me no confidence whatsoever when, um, you know, you see these reports of people who are being hired for the creative team and, and whatnot. Yeah, like Dana Warrior and, you know, you see people from different kinds of backgrounds coming in. Meanwhile, you've got guys like Arn Anderson getting released. Dean Malenko's left WWE uh, in the past week or two. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
those are wrestling guys who who, who right. know the business, who know how to tell a story within a match. And I, I mean, I know they're they weren't writers, they were agents, but still, you keep seeing the wrestling. And, and I'm thankful Pritchard's there. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I hope that he's got a, a good influence there because I I tend to think he's got a pretty good wrestling mind on his wrestling head on his shoulders uh, for the most part. But um, <sighs> you keep seeing wrestling people going away yes. from the front office, from the backstage area and more of a television production kind of mentality. And, and wrestling is not, I know that I know that wrestling is a television property, but it's not like any other kind of television show. No, you, you can't treat it like that. And what other television show is filmed before uh, 15,000 fans every week or however many they're drawing these days? It's not the same thing. At its core, it's a live event business that's on TV. And and you've got to do it differently. Um, If you – you can think you have the best story to tell on television, but if it draws – nothing no kind of response from a live crowd the the people on tv are seeing the live crowd sitting on their hands mm-hmm. and, and the fan responses that i see on tv these days seem very artificial oh, yeah. um the the most boisterous responses from fans these days are at these big shows where the fans seem more interested in getting themselves over to the crowd than cheering what's actually going on in the ring mm-hmm. um and I, again, here we go with a rabbit hole, but, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and forcing Roman Reigns to kind of bring it back. And let me try to tie him back to what I'm just saying. I mean, they're forcing him and they have been for four or five years now upon this main event scene. He's the guy and fans have not bought it for four or five years. Not even a little bit. I mean, he does have his 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 fans, but in comparison with his push, it's not even it's not even close. No. And and meanwhile, you've got other guys who you could be trying out in that spot who they're either stuck in neutral or they're asking for their release. And it seems like he's just going to what he thinks works because I mean, to me, and as much as I love AJ, you moved AJ to the raw brand. Then all of a sudden you're wild carding him back on SmackDown and you put him in a title opportunity. What was, yeah. then why'd you, then why bother, then why bother taking the belt off him? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. It, it, it makes so it makes no sense. I don't know. I mean, nothing. Very little I see on W. The the one thing I've seen that makes sense in WWE was them seeing Kofi Kingston get a reaction in January and February and putting the belt on him at WrestleMania. That's the only thing I've seen that really makes sense. He's one of the few people that are still getting a genuine reaction. And that was not something that was planned by the office. Right. They saw the reaction he got by accident almost. And they had at least the common sense at that point to act upon it. Um, 
but but everything is so artificial um, and and even when wrestlers are given time to talk oftentimes their promos are so charged because they're written by people who aren't invested in the characters mm-hmm. um, the best promos come from the people themselves I mean I'll just say that Cody Rhodes promo that's been circulating the internet for about his match with Dustin Rhodes is the solid. best promo you'll find. Solid um, gold. That thing, I mean, and, and you want you want to tell me some writer wrote that for him? No, no. way. No, no. Those way. are Dustin and his brother are guys who know and love the wrestling business and are invested in in their own characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I don't well, think you, you, I'm gonna. You, you mentioned that you're glad Pritchard's there, and and I am as well. <laughs> people, as people who've listened to his podcast for a while, when you think about a lot of the stories that Pritchard has told about the rises, uh, especially when they do these uh, wrestler background episodes, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Austin, Diesel. All of these ones they've, they've, they've done, when they talk about these guys becoming champion, 90% of the time, it was because the fans were calling for it. The fans wanted to see it. And I remember even during the Shawn Michaels one, they were in, you know, Bruce is like, I'm telling Vince, they want Shawn to be a babyface. They want, they want to see him as a champion. They want him as a babyface. Yeah. Right, they, want, they want him. They want him. Vince's like, no, no, he's a heel. He'll always be a heel. That little guy's always going to be a heel. Pat Patterson's telling him. They want him. They want him. They want to see him win. No, never. Then all of a sudden, Vince sees the light, and they make it happen. Like, yeah. Austin. No one predicted Austin. Austin caught fire. They, they were smart enough to hitch the wagon. And they went with it. Like, so many great champions were purely based off of fan reaction. Is it that hard of a concept to to write a story and then modify it once you see a guy is getting traction? Like, it, it, it works. It's been it proven you, for it, years. Yeah, it, it just shows you, I mean how much everything is off the rails. I mean, those guys, I mean, Austin was given this crappy ringmaster gimmick. He turned it into Stone Cold Steve Austin. He gave that promo at King of the Ring 96. Fans responded to that. It still took them a couple months to realize, oh, we might have something here. Yeah. And it took that program with Bret Hart to get him over. But it, I mean, by the time WrestleMania 13 rolled around, he had gotten himself over so much that there's no way he could be a heel. And yeah. and, 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 and he was partially he was thanks to, to Bret Hart as well. But uh, Right. And he was trying to be a heel. That was a crazy thing. <laughs> Yeah, and the and the you know the fan base was changing too, and that was just kind of a weird time in wrestling where a lot of things were changing. So, um, the that, happened that happened organically. Yes, and, and that's what's lacking, and it has been lacking from, and with the exception of this Kofi Kingston thing that and, and the Daniel Bryan thing five years ago, mm-hmm. it's really lacking 
from the business in general, at least where WWE is concerned. Yep. Uh, very few exceptions. Um, I mean, I guess you could argue the Becky Lynch thing, but even though I'm not really on board with that. But uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, it was delayed. Obviously, they couldn't put but, the title on her because she got hurt. Because they definitely would have when she was red hot. I also think it's contrived, though, to to an extent because. Uh, you know, it, I just the way they handled it. Maybe uh, I just I didn't buy in personally. But, they, they, uh, the way they put the titles on her was definitely contrived. They yeah. uh, bad timing. Her injury kind of hurt hurt that a bit. Um, so that's definitely not on her because she was red hot. I mean, she was the hottest name in the company for a few months. Yeah, uh, but I, I I guess you know we've gone down a long rabbit hole here to say that I I'm just, I'm so disillusioned with WWE's creative right now. It, you know, I, I'm not watching every week. I'm, I'm keeping up with like recaps and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm watching here and there. I, I managed to see that wild card thing the other night. And I was just like, why did I bother when there's like a playoff game on, I could be watching or something. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I'm just, Waiting for something that will capture my imagination. Um, don't know when that's going to happen, but I'm waiting for something where I'm like, huh. So the, the Cody Rhodes thing made me go, huh. I don't think I'm going to be able to put down money for that uh, that, uh, that event, but uh, but I, but it's got me interested at least. Yes. And and um, you know it, it, things like that, you know that. Uh, that get the interest, they, they get yeah. you wanting to see more, wanting to hear more. Because now, for myself, I'm waiting for a response. I'm waiting for a response promo. I'm waiting for you know, for for something else. I'm waiting for you know so, some little some more Twitter responses. Like I want more out of that. I I don't know what to want from WWE because you you're telling me AJ Styles is going to establish himself on Raw, but he's right back down on SmackDown. Like where where am I supposed to get invested into? Like yeah, it's, I, it's 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 crazy confusing. Yeah. Well, that's that's one thing we indignation here don't want to do is we don't want to confuse you, which is why we make sure at least I as the host tell you the right name for which show that you're listening to. So this has been Breaking Ring Rust, and we are so glad that for you to join us. Please support us. Follow us on Facebook if you're not at. Cheek Nation, you can keep track of all our shows, Breaking Ring Rust, the original Cheek Podcast. We're also on Twitter, also at Cheek Nation. And you can support us by using our various links that you'll see on our social media for either Gamefly or buy video games with Gamefly. Or get yourself a treat to the movies with Fandango. Fandango, well, more. I can't believe I said Fandango. Did you hear that? I said Fandango. <laughs> Fandango movies. You can tell I got resting on my mind. Buy your tickets through Fandango and support us at Jig Nation that allows us to continue to make these great programs like Breaking Ring Rust. For Matt Privet, the franchise, I am Rocket Mr. Magic. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. And as always, Get yourself over, Marks. Oh, no!